Good morning, everyone. My name is Peter, and today we are continuing our series, Follow Me. Jesus gives each of us the invitation to follow him. And for Christians, we know that Jesus isn't just a historical figure. And so we're not just following a set of teachings or certain precepts, but he's a living God. And so we're following the person of Jesus. And he invites us to be his apprentices, to be filled with his spirit, to follow his way of life. We follow Jesus. And when we look at the Bible, we can see different examples of people following Jesus. And so there are some who followed him very closely. There are others who never began following Jesus in the first place. They rejected Jesus or his teaching. But there are some who start out saying yes to Jesus, and then their yes becomes a no. They have a change of heart. Have you ever had a change of heart? Have you ever gone into like making a big purchase and you go to bed saying yes and then you wake up in the morning saying no, you had a change of heart. No, we got to back out of this. We can't go through with this. Have you ever had a change of heart? I had a friend who was so excited to go bungee jumping that he got all strapped in and he went up to the very top of the high, high height and he looked out over the edge and he had a change of heart. Uh, He couldn't go through with it. Have you ever said yes and then had your yes changed to a no? Have you ever been invited to a party or an event and you say yes, absolutely, I'm going to be there? And then as it gets closer and closer, you start thinking about, man, how nice it would be just to have an evening off, to just stay at home and put your feet up and turn on the television. And so you bail on the party, you bail on the event, And then, of course, what happens is you look on social media and everybody's posting pictures from the party, from the event. Everybody's there. Everybody's having a great time. Everyone you talk to in the next few days is telling you about how amazing it was. It was the event of the year. Everyone was there but you. And you start kicking yourself going, man, why did I say no? I was going to go to that. Have you ever had a change of heart? Well, last Sunday, Pastor Todd talked to us about how we are followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus are people who take up their cross daily and follow him. And how can we be those types of people? How can we be people who wake up in the morning and say, today I am following Jesus. Today I will take my cross and follow wherever he leads. How can we be people who don't have a change of heart, who don't start out saying yes and then change our yes to a no. Because Jesus wants us to follow him. He invites us to follow him. And yet Jesus also knows how prone we are to having a change of heart. And so Jesus gives us these warnings. And I want us to look today at three of the warnings that Jesus gives us as we look at how we can be people who set out on this lifelong journey of following him. And so if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to join me in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 is where we're going today. Luke chapter 9. And we're going to look at three of these warnings that Jesus gives to us. And so whether you're here and you're not currently following Jesus, maybe you're considering what it would look like to follow him, then these warnings are very pertinent to you. But even if you're somebody here who's been following Jesus for a long time, we want to pay attention to these warnings that Jesus has for us. 
So we're going to go to Luke chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 57, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And it says, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So I want us to look at three warnings that we can see from this passage as Jesus has interactions with three different people. The first person comes up to Jesus and he volunteers and he says, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. We all know that it's easier to make a promise than it is to keep a promise. It's easy to get excited and to say something really big. And we can tell by Jesus' response to this man that Jesus is cautioning him. Jesus is saying, hey, foxes, they'll dig a hole and they'll have a place to stay. And a bird will build a nest. But the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm not out here shopping for houses, looking for a place to settle down. I'm not starting a kingdom. Jesus is a wanderer. He's going from place to place. He's relying on the hospitality of other people. Jesus is saying, I don't even know where I'm going to lay my head. And so the warning for this man and the warning for us is that we are to carefully consider what it means to follow Jesus. We're to count the cost, Jesus says in Luke chapter 14. We're to carefully consider what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. Because sometimes when the music is going and the lights are happening and we have this emotional reaction and we can make big promises. We can be really excited in the moment. But then a few days goes by and we can end up feeling like we were manipulated. Or we might feel guilty because we know we can't live up to those big promises that we were making. And so the warning for us is to carefully consider what does it mean to follow Jesus. The second interaction that Jesus has, the first guy, he volunteers. But the second guy, Jesus says, hey, come and follow me. Come and preach about the kingdom of God. And the second person is excited. He agrees. He wants to follow Jesus, but this isn't really a good time for him. And he says, hey, let me go and bury my father, which seems pretty reasonable, but... We know from the cultural context, we know from the Bible that when people passed away in Bible times, that they were buried that same day. And so if his father had just passed away, that man would be with his father, he would be burying him. But we also know that there was the cultural expectation of the time was that you would stay at home with your parents and you would look after them and you would eat those home-cooked meals and you'd stay there until your parents passed away and then you would go and do what you wanted to do. 
And so this man is saying to Jesus, yes, I want to preach. Yes, I want to follow you. But it's just not a very good time for me right now. Maybe in a few more years, you know, I'll come back. I'm just going to go home. I got to be with my parents. And the warning for us is can we overcome the cultural pressures that we will feel? Can we overcome even the family pressures and the expectations that we might have? Can we overcome and recognize that there may not be an ideal time to follow Jesus? That the call of Jesus to follow him may not fit with the idea of where we're at in our life or what we want to do or the plans that we have. But we need to see that Jesus has a higher calling for us. Jesus had a higher calling for this individual. And so can we overcome these pressures and this sense of the, the culture around us would say, at this season of life, here is what your life should look like. And yet Jesus comes with his higher calling for us. So there's a warning for us to consider. The third person uh, says to Jesus, yes, I will follow you. But first, let me go and say goodbye to my family. Now, notice that Jesus doesn't reject him. Jesus doesn't tell him, no, you can't go and say goodbye to your family. But Jesus has a warning for him. And he paints this picture of having your hand to the plow and that there is important work for you to do. There's something that Jesus is calling you to do, and it's right in front of you. But not to look back at what's behind you, because if we're looking back, it's going to be hard for us to head in that straight direction that Jesus is calling us to. And I know I can see this in my own life, how easy it is for me to get caught up in looking behind me. And so I can say, oh, I'm following Jesus, and man, I'm so glad that Jesus has good things in store for me. And man, when I look back, boy... I was a scoundrel. Oh, man, the trouble I used to get into. Oh, the things that I would do. Man, I mean, those were fun times. Good, good. I mean, I'm glad I'm following Jesus, and I'm glad I'm heading in this direction. But, oh, man, those were crazy times. Yep, so glad I'm not going back to any of those things. They were so fun, though, weren't they? Uh, no, I'm heading forward. We can get caught up in looking at what we're leaving behind, those things that we are to leave in the past, that we would believe and know that there are far, far greater things ahead of us than anything we leave behind, that Jesus has a higher calling for us. And so there's these warnings for us to consider as we would set out and follow Jesus, that we're not to be hasty, but we're to consider carefully, what does it mean for me to follow Jesus? To count the cost. Can we overcome the cultural pressures and our sense of timing and what we should be doing at this season of our life to answer his higher call? And can we look forward to what Jesus has for us and not be caught up in what's behind us? And then Jesus goes on to tell a story just a few chapters later in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells a story that kind of drives these ideas home for us, and I want us to look at this next. And so if you're already at Luke chapter 9, just fast forward just a few chapters, and we're going to look at Luke chapter 14. And in Luke chapter 14, Jesus is at the house of a religious leader, a leader of the Pharisees, and Jesus is doing some teaching, and he's healing people. They're having this interaction, and then we're going to pick it up in verse 15, Luke chapter 14. 
in verse 15. And it says in, in verse 15, Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Now, there's some irony in this verse. Because here is a guy who is sitting at a table eating dinner with Jesus Christ, and yet he is so caught up in, boy, won't it be so great someday to be in the kingdom of God and having a feast together, and yet he's not recognizing that here today, right now, he's having a meal with Jesus. But he's so caught up in looking to what's ahead. And so Jesus replies to this with a story in verse 16. And he says, a man prepared a great feast, and he sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen, and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. I like how the third guy doesn't even bother with being polite. He drops the, please excuse me. He's like, I just got married, so obviously I can't come to your party. Well, each of these guests had a change of heart. We're talking about how can we be the kind of people who don't say yes and then have a change of heart to where our yes becomes a no. And for each of these people that gives an excuse, they start out saying yes. When the invitations came to the party, they would have been excited. They would have RSVP'd. They would have said, hey, we're going to be there. That's why later on the servant comes to say, hey, today is the day. It's banquet time. But somewhere between when they got the invitation and when the servant arrived to say, hey, today's the day, they had a change of heart. Their yes had become a no. And they had these excuses. Jesus tells them in his story, the first guy says, hey, I bought a field and I must inspect it. The second guy says, I just bought five sets of oxen and I really want to try them out. Please excuse me. And the third guy says, I got married so I can't come. Well, Jesus is a master storyteller. And he tells another story in Luke chapter 8. He tells the story of a farmer who goes out and is scattering his seed. And some of that seed falls on good ground, but there's thorns that come up. And as this little plant is growing these thorns, these weeds come and begin to choke out the good little life inside of this plant. And Jesus identifies three things. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the pleasures of this life. As these thorns that come out and choke out this good little plant that's growing up. And we can see some parallels between that story that Jesus tells and these three excuses in the story that we just read. And I want us to look in more detail at these excuses. What is it that caused these people to go from saying yes to saying no? 
Now, if you've ever had an argument with your spouse that was on a surface level about a bag of garbage that was left by the front door that was supposed to be taken out and put in the bin, but it wasn't, and so now there's an argument happening, and you both realize as this argument's going on, this isn't really about the bag of garbage, but there's some deeper things that are happening that we're arguing about right now. Well, there are some deeper things in this story that Jesus tells about these excuses. And we want to look at what's happening inside of us, in our heart, that can turn our yes into a no. So the first guy in the story that Jesus tells, he says, I just bought a field and I must inspect it. And this ties into the story that Jesus tells about the seed and the cares of this world that can choke out these things. It's saying, I have very important responsibilities. There are things that I must do. He says, I just bought a field and I must inspect it. What are the things inside of us that make us say, I must? These things are urgent. They have to be taken care of. And so Jesus, of course, you must understand that I have to do this. I must take care of these things. They're urgent. They're so important. And so I can't go and be with you. I can't respond to your call because I must take care of these very important things. What is it inside of you that makes you say, I must? What are the things that you feel the weight of, the pressure, the stress, the anxiety that comes along with our I must? When we say I must, it, it's the very cares of this world. It's the important work when not put in its proper place below the call of Jesus that can choke out, crowd out, take priority over, sap the life from the good things of God that are growing inside of us. And so we end up chasing after the cares and the responsibilities of this world instead of following Jesus. And so our faith is stunted and we don't grow and ultimately, if left unchecked, it leads to a change of heart. Our yes becomes a no because we say, I must take care of these things. The second excuse that Jesus tells in his story is the guy who says, I just bought five sets of oxen and I really want to try them out. So the first guy says, I must inspect this field. The second guy says, I want to check this out. What is it in your life that are those five sets of oxen? Because I can see in my life how easy it is for me to prioritize what I want over what Jesus wants. And so we chase after the riches of this world, the wealth, those things that we think are going to provide us with security or stability in our life, those things that are going to fill the void that we might feel inside of us, or just the things that we're just really excited about, the things that we want to prioritize. It's just what I want. I just want this. And so, Jesus, I'm sorry I can't do this because this is what I want. I want to do it. And the things that we want 
crowd out what Jesus wants. We think, once I get this, once I have this, once I obtain this, once I have this level of wealth, or once I add this into my life, then I'll be satisfied, then I'll be happy, then I'll matter. And so we chase after what we want instead of what Jesus wants. The third excuse that Jesus tells in his story is the guy who says, I just got married, so I can't come to the party. So the first guy says, I must. The second guy says, I want. And the third guy says, I can't. And so often we can look at the relationships that we have in our life. And they can keep us from following Jesus. Because we prioritize, we make that love interest our everything. So we put our time and our energy into this person thinking, then we're going to be satisfied. They're going to meet our needs. Then we're going to be happy. And so we chase after these relationships. It can be any family relationship or any relationship that we have. We can see it with our kids where we prioritize our kids. And I can see this in my own life. I love my kids. I love doing things for my kids. But it's easy for me to start to say, no, no, I can't do these other things. And no, no, I, can't. I don't have time for that because i got to take care of this. I'm watching out for this. And so the answer isn't that we abandon our children to go to the higher call that Jesus has for us. But to recognize what is our priorities And do these things in our life, these good relationships that Jesus has given us, do they crowd out our higher calling of following Jesus and his call for us? You know, whenever I think about this story, this guy who's like, I can't come to the party, I just got married. I'm thinking like, just bring your spouse to the party with you. Why don't you guys both go to the party But so often, we can have relationships that we know don't line up with the way of Jesus. And so we end up avoiding Jesus because of our relationship. We don't want to bring it to Jesus. And so we say, I can't. What are the things inside of you that say, I must, or I want, or I can't? Jesus gives us these warnings, these things that we're to pay attention to if we are going to be his followers. And he tells us of these excuses, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pleasures of this life. And we can see inside of ourselves our tendency to chase after these things. What I want, what makes me feel good, what I must do. And so how can we Be followers of Jesus who don't end up seeing our yes change to a no. How do we do this? What is the solution for us? How can we be those who always are saying yes and not having our change of heart to say no? And I want to close by looking at the example of Peter. Peter is one of Jesus' closest friends. He's one of uh, his closest apprentices. He's a disciple of Jesus. He has been traveling from place to place with Jesus for years. But in Jesus' most difficult moment, as he is taken and being arrested, and as he is going to be led towards the cross and his crucifixion, Peter finds himself in a difficult 
position where his back is against the wall and people are starting to question him and ask him if he knows Jesus. Hey, aren't you one of those apprentices of Jesus? Hey, aren't you one of the friends of Jesus? Hey, aren't you with him? And in that moment, as Peter's back is against the wall, he publicly denies Jesus to save his own skin. He says, no, 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 I don't know him. He says it once, he says it twice, and on the third time he's saying things like, a curse be on me if I actually know him. It says in the Gospels that in that moment, the third time that Peter publicly denies Jesus, that Jesus is being led by, and their eyes lock Peter sees Jesus. Jesus sees Peter as he's saying, no, no, I don't know Jesus. He's had a change of heart. His yes has changed to a no. And then for Peter, he sees Jesus crucified. Peter knowing that he has disqualified himself from ministry from what Jesus is calling him to do, then sees all his hopes for the future die as he watches the life being snuffed out of Jesus. And while this is happening, he's bearing the weight and the guilt of knowing what he's done. And Jesus dies, and he's buried in a tomb. But then days later, Jesus rises from the dead, and Jesus goes and he seeks out Peter. And he finds this moment to talk with Peter. And Jesus comes to Peter and he has a question for Peter. Now think of all the questions that Jesus could ask in that moment. Peter, are you sorry? Peter, do you repent? Peter, are you going to do that again? Peter, what do you think about me? What do you think about my teaching? Do you respect me, Peter? But the question that Jesus has for Peter is, do you love me? Jesus comes to Peter because he loves Peter. And so he comes in grace and with forgiveness. And he comes because of his great love for Peter. As he's risen from the dead, he saw what Peter did. He saw Peter change his yes to a no. And yet Jesus comes with love. And the only question that he asks him is, do you love me? What is it that can overcome the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the pleasures of this life and all the things that Jesus warns us about. It's only the love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus. And Jesus comes to Peter in his darkest moment and the question he has for Peter is, do you love me? It is a test that Peter can easily pass. And so Peter says, yes. And Jesus asks him again, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And Jesus asks him a third time. And that third one hurts. Because Peter's got to be thinking about those three times that he denied Jesus. And when Jesus was looking right at him as he was going, no. And he says, 
Jesus, you know everything. You know I love you. Yes, I love you. And then Jesus says to Peter in John chapter 21, he says, follow me. The question that Jesus has for each of us today is, do you love me? That we can remember that in the moments where we mess up, where we've had a change of heart, where we have gone from saying yes to saying no, in our brokenness, in our weakness, in the most difficult times of our life, that Jesus comes to us with love and grace and forgiveness. And the question he has for us is simply, do you love me? And if we say yes to Jesus, then he says, follow me. The question for us today is, do we love Jesus more than these other things? More than the pleasures of this life, more than the deceitfulness of riches, more than the cares and the responsibilities of this world? Do we love him? And do we see this great, incredible love that he has for us? That while we were still dead in our sin, Christ died for us. That Jesus loved us so much that he died for us and rose again and he comes to us simply with the question, do you love me? It's only his love, the fact that he loves us, that can change our no to a yes. Because we see what he has done for us, how much he loves us. No matter how often we mess things up in our brokenness, in our weakness, yet still he comes and loves us. The thing that Peter realized is that, well, Peter had a change of heart. Jesus never had a change of heart about Peter. Jesus never has a change of heart about you. Jesus loves you. And his question today is, do you love me? Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would help us today. God, to be people who recognize this great, incredible love that you have for us. This grace and forgiveness that you bring to us. That Jesus, in our weakness, in our brokenness, in the hardest and most challenging times of our life, when we have completely made a mess of everything, you come to us in love and with grace and forgiveness. With the simple question, do you love me? Jesus, we thank you that you stand at the door and you knock on the door of our heart. And you say that if we will open up the door, you will come in and eat with us. That just like that man that you told the story to, that you were sitting at the table and eating with him, and he was so preoccupied with the future. Jesus, may we recognize that you are here in our right now, today, that you want to come in and share a meal with us, that you have a feast for us, because you're here with love and grace and forgiveness. And so would our response to you be, yes, we love you. Jesus, that you would overwhelm us with your love so that we can love you more than the cares of this world, more than the pleasures of this life, more than the deceitfulness of riches and wealth and all these things that we can chase after. 
Jesus, may we be those who don't get so caught up in what's behind us, but we look ahead at the good things you have in store for us. Jesus, may we overcome those cultural pressures, those family pressures, to recognize your higher calling to follow you. Jesus, I pray for those who are considering following you, of taking that step, that journey of faith. Jesus, may we not do so rashly, but can we count the cost? Consider what it really means to follow you. Jesus, we thank you for your love. God, we pray that you would help us. God, that we would answer, yes, we love you. And that we would be those who follow you. Amen.